Hey, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're watching this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. Yes, it's me again by birth, Alex William Smith, but better known to many of you as the British bad boy of hypnosis, Jonathan Royal of MagicalGuru.com, and I'm delighted to have another amazing guest on the show this week. A lady I'm about to introduce you to uh, runs a website, TracyPants.com. The link will be below the video, though, for those who are too lazy to type it in. Um, she's had her own uh, personal journey with weight loss over the years, which I'm sure she'll touch on during this interview. And she's also something of an expert when it comes to getting clients and attracting attention using Facebook Live, uh, the video platform on Facebook Live and other social media platforms. So please welcome to the show all the way from America, Laurie Hammond. Thank you, Alex. It's so great to be here. How are you doing? Look, I, I, everyone on this show, there was a time when they weren't a hypnotherapist, a time when they weren't a mind therapist or involved in this at all. And obviously, some kind of journey that brought you to where you are today. Could you tell the viewers how you got into this industry? Absolutely. So I was raised to be a little bit of afraid of hypnotist, hypnosis. Hypnosis. I was taught that it was mind control or that it was maybe even something a little bit um, something a little bit scary or evil. So when I decided to start paying attention to hypnosis, I was at a place of desperation where I was so desperate to get a handle on my weight that I was willing to go down this dark path to figure to figure stuff out. And I was so <clears throat> nervous about letting someone else control my mind, which is what I thought hypnosis was at the time. And I went and interviewed a couple different hypnotists. I had a, an introductory session with two different hypnotists. And it was interesting, Alex, because when I started looking for hypnotists, I couldn't find anyone who even had a profile picture up. And I'm thinking, who is this person that's going to be controlling my mind? I don't know. I want to feel like I know them first. So I didn't really hit it off with either one of them. There wasn't a whole lot of rapport between us. So I thought, okay, I'm going to figure this. I'm going to learn hypnosis myself and solve this problem myself. And I had been listening to Mike Mandel's podcast, the Brain Software podcast. So I was familiar with hypnosis and, and him. And so I decided to train with him. And the rest is history. It was an absolutely amazing experience. Cool. Um, so how, I mean, tell the viewers a bit, but you, you touched on it there, that you, you, you wanted hypnosis to use it as a tool in regards to weight loss. Now, people watching this uh, are probably going to think, well, really? Did you have an issue? Uh, you know? Yes. Yeah, so I tell people, I, I believe it started, you know, be before that critical faculty age of about seven years old. I remember having a conversation with my dad one day and him telling me, when you walk, you need to put your shoulders back and suck in your stomach and stand up tall so you look thinner. And in my mind, he was telling me I was fat. And mm. when I look back at pictures of myself now, I was almost too skinny. I was just a twiggy little thing. But I started believing at that young age that I was fat. And I believe when we have an, a certain identity and a certain way of thinking about ourselves and seeing ourselves, that we're programming our subconscious mind to live up to that expectation. And so when I was a young adult, about 18 or 19 years old, I started putting on extra weight. And my weight skyrocketed. The highest um, it went was 195 pounds. And I'm only 5'2". So that's pretty, pretty a lot of extra weight for a small person. Mm -hmm. And what I found is my weight would just go up and down, almost like a pendulum swinging this way 50, 60 pounds, and then this way 50, 60 pounds. And I would really rapidly gain and then I would really rapidly lose with these crash diets and these starvation diets and you know the bottom line is I really wasn't very nice to myself and I kept thinking I, I'm going to solve this problem and, and I couldn't figure anything out and that's why I turned to hypnosis I thought I, I don't know how to control my mind I know this is a mindset thing. Now, clearly, anyone looking can tell that whatever you did worked. So uh, uh, so the next obvious question, uh, because people watching will be therapists, some may work in weight loss, some might not. Um, 
But the obvious next question would be, what did you do to obviously lose the weight, but then to keep it off? Because it's about not going back again, isn't it, as well? Yes. So much of it is is identity. When I when I help others with their weight, I, I want to take them out of that diet mindset and that overweight mentality. I think when we're counting every calorie and we are obsessing about what we eat, that's a mindset that underneath it says there's something wrong with me, I'm broken. And so when we start modeling, and so much of what we do as hypnotists is helping people model what they want, when we start modeling people who don't struggle with their weight, who have a peaceful relationship with food, and we start adjusting our self-talk and our actions to line up with that, with a naturally thin person, it, it makes a huge difference. So the first thing is, is just that mindset. And I believe that also having a daily routine where you wake up every morning and you tell yourself the truth and you put out some affirmations, if you will, or I call them mantras and start to talk about who you are and you replace that, that I'm broken self-talk with an I'm capable and I'm free self-talk, it makes a huge difference. Well, so kind of in a MLQA where he, he had the famous phrase, didn't he? Day by day in every way I'm getting better and better. Somewhat. I like I will lead people through a protocol where they tap into their own internal self-talk, where they kind of get into that trance state and tap into that part of them that knows the things they don't know they know. So I'm hesitant to to make either hypnotic suggestions or to offer mantras or affirmations to other people based on my paradigm, I would rather help them tap into their own paradigm and create those, those suggestions for themselves. I find that when we really elicit our client's desired state, when we really get them to take their eyes off the problem and, and place it firmly on the solution and start to really talk about it and build it up in their mind and start to feel those emotions, they write our script for us. They tell us all those suggestions that we can then feed back to them to strengthen and bolster them to make the change. Mm -hmm. Now, I couldn't agree with you more that mindset obviously is a massive part of it. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure, I, I don't know if you've encountered it, but there's a book that came out in about, I think it was 1981 off the top of my head, uh, called Diets Don't Work by Bob Squartz. Sorry if I've pronounced your second name wrong, Bob. But uh, it's Bob, S-C-H-W-A. Yeah. But diets don't work in Amazon. It comes up. 1981. And to summarise the book, it basically says the only way to lose weight is to burn off more calories than you're putting in. And the only way to do that is either eat less calories or do more exercise. And that pretty much sums up his book, other than these wonderful golden rules of take your mouth full of food, butt down your knife and fork, chew it at least 15 times so you start to eat consciously, then pick up the knife and fork again. So your body can also then get used to the feeling of satiety. So you know when to stop, when you feel satisfied rather than bloated and full. And strangely enough, Pretty much those bullet points I've just mentioned are also exactly what Paul McKenna marketed as I can make you thin without any credit to Bob Squaltz's book from 1981. Strangely, I said that, not you. But the point is, those elements, the physical elements, how much emphasis do you put on them in your sessions? Because I know there's mindset, but mindset's all well and good. If people still carry on piling the food in and not doing exercise, then... They're going to feel better in the red, but not lose weight. Yes. So my answer may surprise you a little bit. I, I agree with him implicitly on the mindful eating. So I think there are different ways for us to do that. So I do think one of the first things to do is to help people tap into their true hunger and fullness. So many people think that seafood, like they see food, they smell food. It's 12 o'clock lunchtime. That means I'm hungry. So they eat. And they've completely lost touch with their internal hunger mechanism and they don't even know really what hungry feels like so a big component of my program is helping people learn how to tap into their physical stomach a lot of people don't even realize where their stomach is located in their body and they think that if they're feeling rumblings down low where their intestines are that that's 
that that's hunger when really it's just their food moving to their body. So I think it's really important to teach them to recognize true hunger and satisfaction, not necessarily being stuffed, but just being satisfied and content and to eat mindfully. So you're actually paying attention to what you eat. And I also think it's incredibly important to eat in peace because studies show that the calories in calories out isn't always necessarily accurate because if a person eats while they're in a stressful state where they're producing cortisol and they're in fight or flight, they're not going to absorb nutrients and they're, they're actually going to hold on to extra fat because it's creating an insulin event in the body. So when a person simply gets into a state of eating in peace, when they sit down if they're to take some, some deep belly breaths with a long, slow exhale and slip into the parasympathetic nervous system before they start to eat, it actually lets them absorb nutrients. It speeds their metabolism. So two people could be eating an equal amount of calories and the person who's eating in peace is gonna release weight a little bit better. And then as far as exercise, I, there's also a lot of emerging science that shows that things like slow, steady cardio actually signal our body to go into this kind of primal state where our body is saying, oh my gosh, I, I need to be in this for the long haul. I need to hold on to extra fat and it triggers more hunger and it causes us to hold on to extra fat. So I actually at teach in my program that for the whole first month, I don't let them add any extra exercise. If they're already exercising regularly, I say keep doing it, but I don't have them add any extra exercise for the first month and they'll find that they release weight just by tapping into their body and eating in peace. And then I say, okay, this is how we're gonna teach you to become the kind of person who works out every day so that you think of yourself as an active person and you're exercising because you want to and not because you have to because I think there are massive benefits to exercise, but I don't think it should be used as a tool to earn an extra piece of cheesecake for dinner or punish yourself for the piece of cheesecake you ate last night. It should be, it's a mood booster. It's, it's a state changer. Okay. So I, I mean, in, I'm going to say in regards to Bob Swartz's book, rather than Paul McKenna's I Can Make You Thin, which is frankly a, a ripoff of Bob's book. Yeah, I did say that again. Sue me. <laughs> It is, Lord. Just compare the two. It's quite clearly plagiarised, um, in my opinion, allegedly. Um, but one other thing he says is he encourages people to be able to eat whatever they want, whenever they want, i.e. if they feel genuinely hungry, once they've learned what that, like you said, most people don't realise what that is, they get it coffee. But once they do know, they eat when they feel hungry, stop the moment they feel satisfied, and basically he says that, therefore, they can eat what they want. It's not a case of having to avoid cakes or biscuits if that was what they particularly desire at the time as long as they only eat it when the body needs it and stop when they're satisfied what do you make of that um i can see so i don't give i'm not a dietitian i'm not a nutritionist so i don't give specific food guidelines but i tell people to learn to tap into your body and observe cause and effect and i think this can be really tricky for people to notice that when they eat cheesecake, they feel jittery and then they, they have this blood sugar event and then they want to eat more and more. So I do think that the biscuit is gonna affect, our, affect our, us mentally and physically in a different way than eating you know, broccoli, steamed broccoli. Mm -hmm. So a big part of my component is self-love because I think so often people are, are reaching for food because they're trying to soothe something inside. And they're also almost punishing or abusing themselves with food. For me, I would binge eat. I would go on these terrible binges and it was almost a form of self-abuse. So I think when people begin to love themselves and step into that self-love, when they see the biscuit and the broccoli, they choose the broccoli because they know they're being kind to themselves by eating that. So on the one hand, I don't tell people what to eat. I say, eat what's right for you, but truly eat what's right for you. You know, find what makes you feel good, what nourishes you. And if you are truly hungry and your only option is a biscuit, eat the biscuit and eat it in peace and love yourself with it and don't beat yourself up afterwards. So make the best choice you can. And if you splurge now and then, People who don't struggle with their weight splurge now and then. The only difference is they don't beat themselves up. 
because mm. when we beat ourselves up with guilt over our mistakes, it actually um, prompts our subconscious mind to keep doing the thing that we're focusing on. I'm just making notes as we go along to remind myself what to come back to because keep you mentioned eating peacefully. Now, and you also mentioned before about how certain situations when eating can cause the body to produce chemicals like cortisol, put them in the fight and flight response. Mm -hmm. Would you say then, because that makes me think, and it's something I've advised people in the past, not, I don't know if it's the same in America, but I know in England, uh, a lot of people tend to end up, especially if they've got kids, eating around the time when the television news is on in the evening. And most of the news is fear, negativity, um, which, I would guess, based on what you said before, is it's designed that way. And so people are going to be in that psychological fight flight mode, whether they realize it or not. I'm guessing you would advise people not to be eating while the news is on, for example. You are correct. (laughs) I actually, you know, you've kind of poked a sore spot for me because I am really anti-news. I think that I think that what we feed ourselves, it does produce chemicals in our body Mm -hmm. and when we are focusing on the news it is just creating this pure cortisol adrenaline event and it's conditioning us to live in fight or flight to stay in that sympathetic nervous system that keeps us always looking for danger and always panicking and and i have people that come to me and they're they feel like their metabolism is broken And when they just make the decision to switch off the news and start focusing on what's beautiful and good in the world, it it creates a profound shift and it lets that that clenching sort of thing that's going on internally release and that the extra fat releases along with it. I I personally couldn't agree with you more. Some people watching might think that's a bit out there, but I genuinely believe that it's not just watch, but obviously watching television is relevant to what we've just said, but this, the, the, the television news. But it's just, it be, can be just as bad if you have the radio on in the background, uh, mm-hmm. listening to the news, or some people who sit there reading the newspaper. And I, I do that because most of it's completely not to excuse the language bullshit, manufactured to distort people's view of reality. So I, I couldn't agree more that it, it has an effect. Yeah. on people um so let me ask you a lot of i'm not going to say diets because diets don't work we've already established that you've got to have a completely sort of a lifestyle that works for you but what about the i hear a lot of success from different practitioners um they say you know rather than having people avoid everything they like to they encourage them to have a cheat day so that it actually speeds up the metabolism. Um, what do you make of that? You know, I think that works for some people. I I know Tim Ferriss is a big proponent of the cheat day, and I love Tim Ferriss, but that's that's one place where I differ from him. I think a lot of people, if they are habitual, especially if they have struggled with binge eating in the past. And they're really, really good for six days. And on that seventh day, they just go crazy and eat a whole pizza or a bunch of chocolate cake. It can be really, really hard to get back on track. So one of, I think one of the most important things is to help people understand it's okay if you mess up now and then, if you have a little extra now and then. It's the getting back on track. And a lot of that is just by releasing guilt. So I think a cheat day is okay for people who, who can handle it. I don't know what I how I feel about a planned cheat day just because it doesn't it doesn't feel kind to the body to 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 essentially binge or gorge yourself on things that are not necessarily good for you. I do think it can speed the metabolism, but I think if we're tapping into our body anyway, we're going to naturally have days where we eat a little bit more some days and a little bit less some days and I think that's really normal. That's how we were created as humans. Mhm. Cool. Um, you said before about people generally not necessarily understanding their body signals. Um, and I've found with clients that if I tell them, if they feel, if they, till they get used to the body signals, if they, when they think they feel hungry, which often is not the signal they're getting, 
the first thing I tell them to try is to have a glass of water because quite often dehydration can get confused with I've found with hunger what what what's your thoughts on that I think that's excellent advice I I believe that that's true a lot of times we do we get these we're always getting stimulus from the outside or from the inside and I think a lot of times people misinterpret dehydration for hunger so I think that's excellent advice obviously you bring all these things together because we, we briefly covered mindset we briefly covered starting to educate your body to uh, you know get the signals and there's a whole bunch of other things I'm sure that you also add into the mix when 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 you're helping clients so what what sort of time period do you do you personally see clients for for weight management so I'm I have a weight loss program called weight loss without willpower and I created it based on my work with one-on-one -on -one clients. And then I took, I actually had a relative, a family, a close relative come to me and ask me to help her lose weight. And I, I thought, okay, I'm gonna help her better if she sees me as a hypnotist instead of as this relative. So I got a group of people together and I did it as a group. And I found that there was something really magical about that group experience where people being with other people that were in the same boat with them and watching other people make progress was encouraging them and they actually had better results inside a group setting. So I did that first group in person and then I did an online group because a lot of people knew I was doing the in-person one and they said, me, I wanted play too. So we did one online over Zoom and I found that it, you get the same effect. I using Zoom, you have like everybody up on the screen, Brady Bunch style. Yeah. And so you're like connecting with people in Australia, in the UK, in Canada, all over the world are people on these calls. And and you're sharing this experience with one another. And I've found that it works even better than my one on one sessions. So I do eight sessions and I bring them through a progression where we cover all the things that we were talking about. The very first session is about tapping into your body and recognizing true hunger and satisfaction. And then, like I said, I have a heavy emphasis on self-love, which people will kind of poo-poo and think, oh, that's, that's not what I'm looking for. But they're amazed at how when they shift into a place of just being kind to themselves, it lets, themselves, it makes, lets them make good choices without having to white knuckle their way through willpower. Cool. Um, where, my brain just got up on one then. So you did some line by Okay, this is it. I have got this on my notes here. This is, sounds like I'm totally going off on one, and I am, but it's all, it's all, it's all on the same subject matter. Do you, or do you encounter, have you encountered, um, and if so, uh, how do you deal with people who it turns out the reason why the but wait on is as a kind of personal self-protection thing for example um in the past i've had clients that were had been raped um or sexually abused earlier in life and eating became a kind of unconscious reaction to pile on the pounds with this underlying idea that if I don't look the perfect me, I'm less likely to get attacked yes. or abused. Yeah. Um, I mean, do, do you come across that? In your Absolutely. I, that's quite common. I have, there are people like that in every round that we do. And when I created the program, I wanted to make sure that I addressed that. So the way the, the sessions are set up is the first 30 minutes I'll, I'll share a new concept with them and teach them some tools for releasing cravings without using willpower whether it's EFT tapping or bilateral stimulation or you know specific ways of breathing and then the second half of the session is is the hypnosis to help them release past trauma and one of my favorite protocols for releasing past trauma I learned from Melissa Tears it's her re-imprinting protocol, which is essentially, it's, it's kind of a form of regression, but without re-traumatizing the person. So they're watching the scene that has been haunting them, that they've been protecting themselves 
as if it's on a TV screen really far away and kind of down low and blurry because it's in the past. And then they send resources into that scene and they reimagine it. And what it does is it re-imprints the way that the subconscious mind interpreted the event. So they still remember what happened. They still keep the learnings. They still know how to keep themselves safe, but they're able to understand that happened in the past. It's not happening anymore. And I can let myself experience peace now. And it, it creates that release and it creates a peace so that now when they think about the trauma, it's the emotions have been drained from it. So they aren't re-traumatizing themselves every time something comes up. And then do you find that just that element alone can have a dramatic effect on kickstarting the way it was? Absolutely. I, I've had several people who, after doing the re-imprinting protocol, have released several pounds the following week, and then they're able to let that, that weight continues to fall off. And within a few weeks, they, they say, oh my gosh, this, I thought my metabolism was broken. I thought I couldn't do this. And it's amazing how all the different aspects of our life are interrelated. I shared a, some, a success story with my oldest daughter, and she said, mom, I think it's so cool that you have this self-love program disguised as a weight loss program because it's almost like that's just that lead domino and when you knock, knock over that first domino all the rest of the dominoes start to fall and all the pieces come together and people are amazed at how you know perhaps they struggled with anxiety before and those anxieties start to release and or depression or different things relationship issues that they've been struggling with all begin to resolve themselves and they start to get a new perspective and to feel more empowered just because they decided to take action in the area of weight loss. See, I love that phrase, self-love program that's been disguised as a weight management, <laughs> weight loss program. Um, I mean, is, is that... Was that done on purpose or is no, it just that wasn't my effect? intention? No, it wasn't my intention. And, you know, honestly, Alex, I have grown so much as I've taught. I think sometimes as hypnotists and as change workers, we think we have to have all our stuff figured out before we can help someone else. And when I started this, like I said, it was to help a family member. And I wasn't sure that I, you know, I had helped private clients. I wasn't sure how this would work. But I've found that as I continue to move forward with the intention of letting my clients experience a beautiful life because I don't just want them to lose weight. I want them to have peace with food and to have peace with their bodies and have peace with the person they look at in the mirror. As, as I found what's effective, this self-love piece has been so profound and it's actually generated healing for myself where I've stepped into a more loving relationship with myself. So I'm incredibly grateful for the people in my program because I learn from them as they're learning from me. Cool. And I, I'm a great believer that, the un, personally, I believe that the underlying cause effectively of any issue, whether it's habit, addictions, fears, phobias, um, I'm, I am generalizing here because obviously there can be individual differences, but it's the the client either has some sort of lacking something missing in terms of their feelings of as human beings we want to feel loved wanted needed appreciated cared for cherished and valued and if there's any imbalance in any of them it has a knock-on effect on self-esteem self-image self-confidence um self-control aka willpower self-love if you want to hierarchy it up. And I believe that if people can love themselves, uh, be positively a bit more selfish, but more in the sort of aeroplane fashion of you put on your oxygen mask first so that you can then help the kids, um, mm -hmm. that their self-confidence, self-esteem, self-image, self-feeling of self-worth will increase to a level where they do feel loved, wanted, needed, appreciated, cared for, cherished and valued, giving them all the tools they need inside, like you said before, to find that they're in the right place to make those right decisions. And as a knock-on effect, stop smoking, not be scared of something that used to bother them, lose weight, 
not be anxious in situation. It doesn't matter what it is. I think it's the key to it all. So I think it's really interesting that you've focused on that heavily within what you do. Yeah. Yeah, It. I discovered it kind of by accident, like I said. But as I look at what, what works and what doesn't work, that's that's been the biggest takeaway. Have you found that when you start to tell people that you're going to lead them down this path of self-love and self-acceptance, that they freak out and think, oh no, if I accept myself, I'm never going to change. Do you, have you encountered that? I did when I, it was a case of telling them in sessions, as it were. But now I kind of make them aware of that by what's on my websites and stuff so that they know before they even ring up to book a session. Because, um, yeah, some people can find it to be a bit, oh, that sounds a bit arty-farty, winky-wanky, new-agey, tree-hugging fight. Yes. And, yeah, I believe that is the key to everything, like you see, like you said before, which is yeah. cool. So, I mean, where, where I, I went to your website before, tracypants.com, and it said, currently closed, join the waiting list now. Is that the wonderful marketing element of scarcity? Yes and no. The like I said, the program is designed to be an eight-week program, and a big right. a big component of the program is the bond that is formed through the group members. So it's the same people on the call every week, and people who can't the calls are recorded and placed inside a closed private Facebook group, so people who can't join live can watch after. But it's such a bonding experience, and it's almost a, an intimate experience. So I don't let people just come in in the middle. So it only opens, usually it's quarterly. I'm not sure when the next round will open. It might open in April, but, um, and our last one was in January. So I, it does create that scarcity, but at the same time, it's really important to me. It's more important to me that I let that group have their experience together than that I bring people in as they want to come in. Yeah, that makes sense. Could it be in an eight-week program? At the end of the eight weeks, obviously, the eight weeks you're actively involved on a weekly basis, I guess, yeah? At the end of those eight weeks, do you find that the people who've been on that particular course um, continue to kind of support each other within the... That is a great question. And what I have found is the people who are most involved and who are who create the, the most bonds with each other and who like come into the group and check in on a regular basis are the ones who experience the most success. And it's this ongoing success where weight loss, just they maintain their weight once they get there. And so on my call that I did yesterday, it was really cool because there were several people. In fact, I think uh, roughly half of the people on that call are people who were on the very first call in my very first experimental group. Uh, you know, I think it was about a year and a half ago and they've stayed with it and it's the highlight of their week and they're on every single call. And one lady shared how she's maintained a 60 pound weight loss because she's just, she said, whatever, I'm just going to go all in whatever Lori advises, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to question it. And she said, I, I feel kind of like I cheated because it wasn't hard for me to lose the weight. It's just come off. And I, I don't know, I thought that was really cool. No, well, that is a cool testimonial, that's for sure. Yeah, so um, some, some people do stay in and continue to support new people, and some people drop off. They get to the end and they're like, well, that's over now, and I'm going to do this next thing. And like I said, the people who stay in are the ones who get that ongoing support because this can be applied to any area of life, so they just continue to level up. Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you for those insights in, into the weight loss thing. I want to steer off slightly, um, we'll segue back towards the end, but uh, going to the areas of, I know you particularly utilize and harness things like um, the, the Facebook Live video platform. So I'm, I'm guessing that people watching this in our industry will already know what that is, but if not, Facebook is a social media platform and on there you got the ability to do live video broadcast like almost like it's a scaled down live tv show to interact with people who are on your page or on your profile um could could you share with the the viewers could some some of your experiences or ideas about how they could perhaps utilize this in their practices sure 
So when I decided to do this, a big part of it was that experience I shared at the beginning where when I was looking for a hypnotist, that it's scary for a lot of people to come to this work and they want to know who they're with. And as you know, a, a huge part of our job and of what determines success is having rapport with the client. So my focus in putting videos up is to build rapport. And I, I think that it also builds an element of what my mentor, Mike Mandel, calls prestige, where your client wants to see you as the authority. So when you're making these videos, we're just we're kind of programmed to see what when we see someone up on a screen, they have that immediate prestige. And Facebook has made it available for anyone to have that, especially if, when you come to a place where you're speaking with confidence, when you're speaking in a warm, engaging way, people lean in and they want to hear what you have to say. And when you allow yourself to be a little bit vulnerable and share, you know, I, I will share my foibles from time to time and where I've slipped up and made mistakes and how I solved it just to encourage other people who are struggling in their life to realize I'm human and if I can do this, you can do this. So I think the biggest thing that people can do if they're thinking about making video is to stop waiting till they're ready. They need to start taking action. We're, you're never going to be ready. And if you tend to be an all or nothing perfectionist, like I tend to be, there has to come a point where you just decide that you're going to take the leap and it's going to be so scary. But when you, when you do that first, you know, maybe just do a one minute video, just do that one minute video and you'll, you'll realize that you did it and you didn't die. <laughs> And so next time you can make another one. So instead of trying to be perfect, just let yourself take imperfect action and you'll be astonished at the gifts that come out when you just start letting yourself get out of your comfort zone. Do you find it's best to do them on your Facebook personal profile or on your Facebook business page? That's a great question. So in my experience, and this is an area where I intend to, to experiment and learn a little bit more, but in my experience, I get much, much more engagement on my personal page than on my business page. And I think part of that is because Facebook wants, they think of these business pages as opportunities for Facebook ads. So they really want me to spend money to promote those videos as Facebook ads. And if I don't, they don't show them to a lot of people. So I've started playing around with posting on my business page more consistently. And then I'll share those videos to my personal page. And most of my views come from my personal page. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do and you, I, you mentioned Facebook ads then. Is that, do you ever use them? I've, I've played around with Facebook ads a little bit and I have not, I haven't seen a lot of success come from them, but Facebook ads, this is, <laughs> this is the frustrating part is, you know, we, we invest all this time and money into being good at our craft into training in hypnosis. And then we come into the industry and my aha moment, which I resisted for a while, is that we have to spend just as much time understanding how to market ourselves and how to put ourselves out there. Yeah. If you build it, they will come is a lie. <laughs> so I, I have built entire products and not marketed it and not sold a single one. So you have to get to a place where you're comfortable understanding that you have to actually tell people about what you're doing in order for them to to purchase it, whether it's a service or a product. So Facebook ads is another one of those where it, I think you have to invest a tremendous amount of time into really understanding how to do them properly. And I've only just begun to scratch the surface of deciding if I want to go down that path. <laughs> okay. So you found uh, that putting them on your personal profile, essentially from an organic free of charge point of view, is getting more attention. Some people watching this might go, but on my personal profile, I've got my family and my, you know, my real friends. Surely that would mean that I've got to make my profile public in order for the pe for people who could be potential customers to see it. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? <laughs> well, to I... some people, I mean, I have got my, I've got my, everything's public, so every man and his dog can see everything. 
and yeah. yeah you do get some nutters out there who you end up having to block because they post inappropriate comments on things but like I say, it's the only way of getting people to see it I I believe that's true so there comes a point where you know this is another stepping outside your comfort zone area where you have to to really and here comes back to self-love a little bit I think as well where you have to be okay with people you know what if somebody thinks I'm an idiot what if somebody thinks I'm a witch doctor what if somebody thinks this you have to just get okay with that so when before I was a hypnotist I was a hairstylist I like these careers that start with H yeah. <laughs> and I was such a hermit on Facebook I hardly ever commented I didn't even get on Facebook a lot I never posted things about myself so when I thought about making myself public and and telling people what I'm doing I thought well I'll create another account and maybe none of my friends will know I'm doing this and I don't want anyone to see this and it's I finally got to the point where I thought where I realized if I'm gonna make an impact I'm gonna have to get get over myself mm -hmm. and so I started just like taking these baby steps forward and telling people what I was doing and it's really cool because now I have people that knew me as Lori Hammond hairstylist coming and booking with me as Lori Hammond hypnotist and it it's so surprising to me that that hairstylists that I used to work with have come and done sessions with me or former clients or people that I knew. I, I don't find that surprising, Laurie, because I'm assuming it's the same in America as it is in England. But from what I've observed, um, women probably more so than men. Don't mean to be sexist by that, but it's just my observation. Part of the experience of going getting the hair done is that they end up having a right good old natter and conversation with the hairstylist. Yes. So there's a rapport there. There's a there's a trust. It's almost counselling, therapeutic yes. relationship anywhere. You're so right. And I would have clients come to me and call me their my their hair therapist. And I, it's surprising how many hair former hairstylists are now hypnotists. And I think it is because there's such a crossover where when when a person is in, you're in rapport with that person for three hours if you're doing a cut and a color. And they'll tell, they told me things they didn't tell their husband, their best friend, their sister, because they felt safe and trusted me. And as I was learning hypnosis while still doing hair, I found that it was, I learned tools to build such better rapport with my clients and to help them tap into their internal resources in such a better way. So there really is a lot of crossover. But I think I was still so afraid that people would say, what is she doing? She's a hairstylist. Well, how can she be a hypnotist now? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, ironically, unbeknownst to them, you, you were using a lot of elements of it, not probably without even realizing it yourself at the time, using yeah. a lot of elements of hypnosis in that relationship. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, cool. So, you are where you are, you've carved yourself this niche. There are people out there that, no offence to them, but a lot of people who watch this, you probably currently fall into the jobbing therapist. And by that, I mean, some might perceive that in a negative angle as a jack of all trades. People who offer everything from dealing with arthritis to fear of zoos and every letter of the alphabet in between. I personally believe, and I guess from the example you set with your website that you probably do as well, that you will get more, more, that you can charge more, that you will get more credibility through specialising. I absolutely believe that. And I think that conventional wisdom, if you just look at any any successful business person will always tell you that you should should niche down. And when you've niched down, niche down even more. I've had people encourage me to only focus on weight loss for people who struggle with binge eating. And I haven't found it necessary to do that, but it's really interesting because the more I tell people what I do and the more I talk about hypnosis in the context of weight loss, the more I have people contacting me and asking them if I can help them with phobias or with tics that they have or with drinking problems, 
people come to me for all kinds of different areas. And I think it's because I've established myself as an expert in one like little bitty field. I mean, it's actually this weight loss is, you know, big, (laughs) but um, because people see me as that I present myself that I know what I'm talking about in this one area, people come to me for all these different areas as well. And that was I shouldn't say unexpected because I was told over and over that when I niche down that that would happen, but it's been really cool to actually experience it. And another cool thing, especially with the videos is I will have people call me or contact me and say, so-and-so sent you to me, sent me to you. They said that you know that you could help me, that you know what you're talking about. And I don't even know who so-and-so is, but because they've seen my videos, they feel like they know me and they are confident to recommend me. So those videos really are great rapport builders. Excellent. This is um, this is a controversial question. Okay. Now, I am going to write down on this piece of paper here my answer to it. Okay. So that uh, I'm involved here. I'm not dropping anyone in it. I'm going to fold that in half and I'm going to keep it in camera view so that I can't switch it. Okay. That is my answer to the question I'm about to pose to you, Laurie, which is, in your opinion, do you think female or male uh, therapists, um, we're going to talk specifically in your niche for weight loss, weight management, do you think male or female therapists, which do you think uh, make the better therapist and thus will get yes. better results yes <laughs> you know honestly i think it's the person that you're in best rapport with okay that's a, a great answer to avoid saying male or female I'll, I'll grant you that let's clarify this more clients can be male and female okay now if you want to narrow it down to uh, if you feel for example that because um, some people would think that maybe, uh, you know, women clients would prefer to go to a, a female therapist because they'd feel safer with them, for example. And that maybe, you know, some people might think that male clients might feel better going to a bloke. They don't want to feel like, you know, that they've had to ask a, a, a woman for help. Those are stereotypes that exist in the world. And I know we're talking stereotypes here to a degree, but I gen- I'll show you what I wrote. I genuinely believe that women okay. uh, make better therapists in terms of getting results with um, clients for weight loss, personally. That's so kind. I, to be perfectly honest, it's not... Oh, and I'll I- include into that gay men as well. Feminine men um who who can who can you know because i think the majority of clients are female that makes you know on if you think of it in the context of what we were talking about earlier that many of our clients struggle with their weight because it's this protective barrier where they've experienced abuse in the past i think they may feel safer with women so in that context i definitely can see where that why that would be the correct answer but it's I really think that if the person feels safe and if you have good rapport with them and you feel you believe in their ability to help you, that it it's inconsequential. But I like your answer. <laughs> That's just what well, you know. What I believe. I mean, you know, women in general. But I, the reason I say gay men and it not and it, for example, uh, British uh, television therapist Steve Miller, who, who does weight loss under the brand Fat Noses, he is quite openly gay. And women feel safe with him. Yes. Uh, I in love the same way as they would with a female therapist. So, right. You know. Yeah, he's he's great. I love Steve. He's, uh, he has yeah. a very different, he, he and I have talked about how we have very different approaches, but we have lots of respect for each other. Hey, that's cool. People can have different approaches. If the point is, if you get, if your clients are getting results, does it really matter how you've got there as long as the client's getting what what they want, which is something, yep. sadly, you see so much of in this industry. People arguing, oh, it's got to be done this way or it's got to be done that way. And it's kind of what works best for you, isn't it? 
Yes, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, what you feel confident with, and I'm, I'm addressing people at home here as well as glory, what you feel comfortable in doing, you're going to have most conviction, uh, positive confidence with that will be picked up by the clients, which I think is a big, big element of it as well. Absolutely. So we're getting close to the end. Now, your website link will be below here. Is there anywhere else people can hook up and connect with you other than just at tracypants.com? Yeah, the best place to, the the place I'm most active is on Facebook. So if you find me and friend me, and I encourage you to find my personal page because the way Facebook is set up, I don't even always get notifications on my business page. So friend me, I would love it, and message me there. Um, I have a really cool event coming up in July. Is it all right if I tell, pe- tell people about that? Please do, yeah. So in July, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods, Alex, with Freddie Jacqueline. We are coming yeah. to Heathrow Renaissance Hotel and doing a two-day training, and I think it's going to be absolutely life-changing. Where can people find out more about that? So if if you go to Freddie Jacqueline's website, I believe it's just freddiejacqueline.com and click on trainings and scroll on that page, you'll find a link where you can join that and learn more. It's the focus of the workshop is going to be to empower women and the people who work with women to give them the tools to help them with weight loss or with hormonal issues. And then there will be tons of tools that will just apply broadly to any area of change work. So you'll have an opportunity to experience transformation for yourself while learning the tools to offer transformation to your clients. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned all that because you just said the word hormonal and it just reminded me. uh, What about people, we covered mindset, we covered self-love, we covered all different elements like that. But what about people? Do you believe there's actually, well, it's not a case of belief because obviously it's medical fact that some people are naturally predisposed to put on weight and find it harder to lose it because of genetic hormonal imbalances, such as when women are going through the menopause and things. Yes, I, I do. I believe that that happens. And it's really interesting because I never planned for my weight loss program to appeal to us. You know, I didn't intentionally niche down to this specific audience, but many of the people in my program are women over the age of 50. And they're, so when I say they think their metabolism is broken, it's often because they're postmenopausal or they feel like they've wrecked their body through years of starvation diets. And the people who have had the greatest success are these, these women over the age of 50, some of them over the age of 60, who have started utilizing these principles and their body has released the weight. So there's a great deal of science that shows that the way, you know, when we're not doing things like watching the news and we're engaging in peaceful activities and we're engaging in self-love and we're shifting our paradigm and the way we look at the world and ourselves, that it actually lets our body respond and adjust. In the same way, when I was a little girl and I decided that I was fat, my body produced the insulin resistance and the cravings and everything that lined up with me becoming fat. I, I believe that when we are living in a state of stress and when we are observing, you know, family members who maybe have poor eating habits and we adopt those as our own, that it sets us up for some metabolic stuff that makes it harder. And when we start to shift in our mindset and experience hypnosis, hypnosis can have a profound impact on helping your body generate and normalize those hormones and those metabolic functions that let you release that weight. So I do think it it's a real struggle. And I do think that hypnosis can be very effective in, in helping release that struggle. That's a really good question. Something that just jumped into my head, and I want to squeeze this in before the question that ends every interview everyone gets the same final question um you know the situations where people have encountered clients in the past and that's all well and good you know eat when you feel hungry and stop when you feel satisfied but what if you know I've, I've, i've got to get the kids to the after school clubs and i've got to do this and do that and they're running around for the entire family 
how how do you help clients get a, a handle on things when you know situations like that it's so interesting you use that metaphor get a handle on things because that's what so many people when they come to my program they say i just need to, i want to get a handle on my own weight and it's some people i think some people when they come into my program they're not truly ready they want like a magic pill or a quick fix but they're not truly ready to make some adjustments that let them put their oxygen mask on first mm -hmm. so i think that sometimes if they're not willing to adjust some of that they might end up staying stuck however there are tricks that are so simple even if you're you know running around and soccer momming and and being so busy that when you do eat, just simply taking a breath where you inhale to a count of seven and exhale to a count of 11. If you take a few, it's scientifically shown that if you take six of those breaths, it switches you into the parasympathetic. Okay. So if you're willing to commit to yourself to take an extra one minute before you eat to switch into parasympathetic, I believe that you can still have that kind of crazy lifestyle and still start to release some extra weight because if we're eating in a place of clenching and adrenaline and cortisol and you know that it's almost a form of fight or flight to be running around like a chicken with its head cut off yeah. so if you're willing to shift out of that even for a few minutes while you eat i think that you can still experience some really profound changes yeah i think that's a fantastic tip yeah um it's bizarre it becomes clearer the more of these interviews that i've done um the, the lay public, our clients, our potential clients, one of the things they don't, well, they obviously do it properly enough to stay alive, but they don't breathe. They don't understand the importance of breathing and how that can affect the way they feel, the way the body works and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So coming close to the end the question everybody gets asked um but for viewers at home remember uh laurie's website link will be below this video when it goes live and of course reach out to her on facebook and go and i, I will find the link as well before i put it there so there'll be a link below this to the details of that event with freddie jack when uh, she mentioned as well so you can go and check that out um the final question imagine I can see a door in the background behind you. Somebody knocks on the door and you go to the door and you answer it. And I use the same book every time for no particular reason because I actually don't think it's a particularly good book as it happens. Uh, there's one section I believe is good in it. But anyway, that's by the by. They've got the green or blue cover, depending on the edition. Hypnotherapy book by Dave Alman in hand. And they say, Laurie, I've read this. I've never watched any videos online. I've never bought any DVDs or downloads. I've not been on any live courses. I've literally just got this book, read it and decided, you know what? I think I'd like to pursue this and become a hypnotherapist. But I want to be the best possible confident and competent therapist I can be, but also be able to make a business out of it. What would your top three tips, the first three top tips that would enter your head be that you'd give that person? Honest and truly, I would tell them, take Mike Mandel's online academy. He, I'm not being paid to say this, but I think it's an incredible, incredible um, comprehensive foundation in hypnosis. Read Freddie Jacklin's hypnotherapy book. Those are the two things that have had the biggest impact on me and learn marketing, perhaps learn NLP and apply it to marketing because you have, you have to put yourself out there. You have to be brave, start practicing, getting out of your comfort zone, do things that are scary, do things before you're ready and and come from a place of genuine intention. Truly love that person. Don't just try to tell them how cool you are and show them how you're gonna make their hands stick to the table, but really care about them and see them as, as fixed and as transformed. And I think that intention will cover a multitude of sins. If you stumble over your words or if you say the wrong thing here, but you have that intention and you see them as being at their desired state that, that you're gonna be okay that they're going to be okay. Excellent. Thank you so much, Laurie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, 
there's some things out there I'm sure people at home are going, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. No, none of these interviews are about whether you agree with my views or whether you agree with the guest views. It's about getting you to think. And if you can take just something out of there and apply it to what you do, that's why I always say if you get a notepad and a pen, watch this again from the beginning and this time take notes. You'll actually see there's been so much content in the past hour that um, it's going to be well worth you checking out the links below and uh, taking your studies further, as it were. So thank you very much indeed, viewers. We'll see you next week. And thank you ever so much, Laurie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Alex. This has been so much fun. Thank you. We'll see you next week on Hypnosis Week.